Matthew chapter 26. Uh, a lot of you have smiles on your faces this morning. It's a good thing, amen? Uh, some of you are, are realizing that it's spring break for some, and I recognize not everybody is off this week yet, but uh, we hope you have a great week and it warms up a little bit and that you can enjoy this time. I want to share a couple things with you before we dig into the Word of God this morning. One of them being on Wednesday night, April, uh, April 13th, Easter is on the 17th, Palm Sunday is the 10th. On the 13th, on Wednesday night, we're going to be observing the Lord's Supper in a very special way that evening. I hope you'll make plans to be part uh, of a special time of coming around the Lord's table. We're going to do it old school way, the way we used to do it, and, uh, and uh, set the, the, the cups and the bad juice on the counter for now, and, uh, but we're going to do it on the 13th. Also, we need to continue to praise God for his healing hand, amen? And it's good to have Kenny George in this service who's recovering from surgery. Kenny, God bless you. Welcome back. Glad to have you. Here's another thing I want you to take note of. Next Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Everybody say 10 a.m. next Saturday morning. One, two, three. We're going to go door to door, and we're going to put on every door in, in, a, in Camden Village proper, we're going to put some things uh, at their door that we hope will be a blessing. Let me show you what's going to go inside it, okay? We're partnering with the truck stop, and... Uh, you're going to open it and say, do you have plans for Easter? Do you have a home church? If you don't, we welcome you to join us. If you do, amen. Why are you saying that, Brother Greg? We are not looking to pull anybody from their own church. Amen? But if you don't, we'd love to invite you. Uh, here's what you can expect. People just like you. I don't know about you, I think that's a pretty good opening line right there. People just like you. A friendly welcome. A wonderful time of worship through music. A message of truth and hope preached from the Word of God. And then I, we go on to tell them uh, Bible study, 945, and those kind of things, okay? That's going to be in there. The truck stop has put the gospel of John, spreading God's love through the nations, has some Places to call if you make a decision or need counseling. That's going to be in there. Uh, Billy Graham steps to peace with God tracks in each one. And then thirdly, or lastly, Keisha's created Hope You Can Pop On By in a bag of popcorn. You'll say, well, Brother Greg, that's silly. Well, let's just be silly for Jesus one time. Amen? Amen. And if you don't want your popcorn, you bring it to 1077 Camden College Corner. Amen, amen. Are you open this morning, Matthew chapter 26? Lord Jesus, what a privilege we have to have a Bible. Persecuted church can't even tell people where they meet. Christians in China can't even tell people where they're going to meet. But this morning, we have the inspired word of God to help us, and I can think of no better textbook for life it has the answers man's looking for. It has hope in you, and it has a clear message. It's not something we have to decode. It's simply a message we have to accept by faith. So I pray this morning that you would get our attention just for a few minutes. 
Help us to focus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The title of the message is, There's Nothing Easy About Easter. Recently, I was at Walmart, and when I made my way to the front door, I noticed at least 50 bicycles that were sitting outside. We say, what are, you, what are you talking about, Brother Greg? They realize it's getting warm. They realize the market for kids and bicycles or college students is right now. And then I noticed to the right a bunch of grills. You tried to put one of those together lately by yourself? Well, they pay people at Walmart to assemble. They assemble those bikes. They assemble those grills. And as, as I was thinking about this message and I was walking in, I wanted to say, ain't nothing easy about doing that job. Well, folks, you make sure you understand something, that what took place on Calvary's cross is unlike anything that's ever happened in history. And it's the greatest love story that's ever been told. Amen? We'll pick it up, but let me walk us to verse 31 before we read. Jesus has just celebrated Passover with his disciples around a table. He tells them that my time is at hand. Now remember when Jesus was doing public ministry and performing miracles, there were times when he would tell somebody after he healed them, don't say anything. Don't say anything. Well, his time is now at hand. Look at verse 20, chapter 26. And when evening had come, he sat down with the 12. So he sat down with them. And as he sat down with them, he tells them that one of you will betray me. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine being in that, that, that circle, that close circle to the Lord Jesus, and to hear the words out of his mouth that one of you will betray me? Verse 21, they begin to ask the question in 22 among themselves, Lord, is it I? Verse 25 says, then Jesus, who, or Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? And Jesus said, you have said it. And then they go right into this beautiful picture of the bread and wine. Jesus knows what's in front of him. He knows what's in store. And he paints this beautiful picture of the body and the blood. And he took the bread in verse 26 and blessed and broke it. Gave it to the disciples and said, take eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. Folks, when Jesus was, was, was showing them this picture, he was literally living the, the moments as the cross of Calvary was right in front of him. The Bible says in verse 29, but I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my kingdom, in my Father's kingdom. And I love that. Because in essence, Jesus is saying, the cross is not the end. I'll see you again. He was talking about his resurrection. 
You see, the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And Paul said, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then we are of all men most pitiable or miserable or hopeless. Jesus said, this is the new covenant. What is? Not the shedding of animals' blood, but the shedding of perfect blood, the blood of God. Now, we often cl close the Lord's Supper by singing a song. We get that from, from the gospel here. Verse 30, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Having the privilege to be in Jerusalem and, and on the Holy Land trip, one of the places they took us to were the very steps they believed Jesus most likely walked as he descended from Jerusalem down into the Kidron Valley to the Mount of Olives. Not, not that far, but at the base of the Mount of Olives is a garden of Gethsemane. It means oil press. And when you think about oil being pressed from olives, isn't it fitting that you think about the Lord Jesus Christ shedding his blood for you and I? There is nothing easy about Easter. The greatest love story ever known took place on a hill not too far away. And this morning, it's the same story that Christians proclaim every time we come together. That he lives, and because he lives, I have hope. Well, in the midst of this journey, uh, you recognize this conversation as they are walking. When they had sung, they went, to, went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus, dro he, drops, he drops something heavy on them. Verse 31, here we go. He says to them, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. I'm going to give you four simple points this morning, and this is the first. First of all, the problem is defined by Jesus. The problem is defined. He says, all of you will be made to stumble. Now, have you ever stumbled? Uh, I, I told you uh, several years ago, I was outside changing the church sign, and somehow I, I, I literally stumbled backwards, and it went from bad to worse. I, I tumbled backwards like a back rollover, the kind these competitive cheerleaders do. Back rollover, and kind of landed on my knees, you know, and I, and I was stunned, and I was, I was just thinking, my goodness, are you kidding me? I pray nobody saw that. And then all of a sudden, I heard, and I looked across the street, and Kelly Duran was standing outside, and he said, are you okay? Well, we all stumble sometimes. From uh, We stumble uh, just uh, sometimes we trip just over nothing. You'll see a ball player in a ball game run down the court and just trip. And you're thinking, he tripped over the line. 
There's nothing there. We think of stumbling in physical terms. But this morning, do you realize you can stumble spiritually? Or you can stumble morally? And let me tell you something. When you, when you, when you stumble morally, most of the time it's a spiritual problem because you've made a decision. Uh, the, the word stumble here means to take offense because of. So Jesus is saying, you all will take offense because of me. When I look at this passage of Scripture, a lot of times we, we let Peter dominate the whole thing. And I don't know if that's good or bad. Because for some reason we overlook the fact that Jesus says, all of you will be made to stumble. You know what he did? He defined the problem. He defined the problem. The Bible says in Zechariah 13, 7, and it, it's, it's quoted here by Jesus uh, in verse 31. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man who is my companion, says the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd, and the sheep will scatter. Then I will turn my hand against the little ones. The Old Testament prophet is reminding us, listen, if you can affect the shepherd, it will affect the sheep. And here we have the picture of those closest to Jesus. Listen to me. Those closest to Jesus, other than John, we don't read about any of them at the cross. I believe had Judas asked for forgiveness for his betrayal before he took his own life, I believe he could have been forgiven. When you get to Calvary, the only one we read about is John. How do we know that? Because John's gospel says Jesus sees his mother from the cross and the disciple whom he loved, and he referred to John that way more than once, and said, today, take care of my mom. Those of you that are in this room this morning that have or are taking care of adult parents, senior parents, God bless you, because you're doing exactly what Jesus did from the cross. He wanted to make sure that they would be taken care of, that mom would be taken care of. He defines the problem, and he, and he reminds them that it affects everybody. You know, the Bible says in John chapter 16, indeed, the hour is coming, yes, has now come, that you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone. Matthew chapter 11, verse 6 says, And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. What are you saying, Brother Greg? I'm saying that even from the cross of Calvary and on his way to Calvary, uh, all was a big thing for the Lord. What do you mean? All will be made to scatter? Yeah, but listen, there's some good news too when it comes to all. Romans 3:10, As it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. Who is none? All. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If this is God and this is me, all of us fall short of getting to God, doing it our own way. Love's greatest story tells me that Jesus went to the cross to pay for it. And when I give my life to him and surrender to him, we just sang some great songs about surrender. I surrender my all to you at the cross. 
Now, all is a big word. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Who's the word? World. All. All. And he defines the problem to the disciples that all of you will be made to stumble. Now, jump to 33. Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Lord, if the rest of them want to do it, I'm sorry. But you can count on me. I'm your man. I will not stumble. I'll go with you all the way. I believe Peter had good intentions. Do you not? What do you mean, Brother Greg? Well, he is named as the disciple in the garden in the Gospel of John who pulls a sword. And as they come to get Jesus, Peter is in defense mode, and I'm not going to let this happen. He pulls a sword. The Bible says he cuts off the ear of a soldier named Malchus. Oh, what a picture of love and humility. Jesus immediately heals it. You would think at that point, some in the garden that are wanting to take Jesus would start thinking, maybe this guy is special. But you know what Jesus said? They're not taking me to the cross by, by force. I'm going because of love. And even though they may not understand it right now, and even though you may not understand it, the greatest love story took place at the cross of Calvary. Why? Because Jesus knew for, before the foundation of the world, the only way you and I could be saved is by what he did for us. No one in heaven will be saying, hey, guys, hey, would you show me around heaven, Mark? Look, look, you went to church, Mark. You overcame all those battles with your health. Man, what a good guy you are and you, a good papa you are. And, and Mark would say, wait a minute, Brother Greg, you don't get it. I'm not here because of anything you just said. I'm only here because of Jesus. Let's go to the throne of God. I love that. You see, the problem is defined. Number two, the pride of Peter is demonstrated. I'll not do it. I'll not do it. But that was nothing new to Peter. Now, in your Bible, keep it open here, but go back to Matthew chapter 16. Just flip back a few pages. Matthew chapter 16 beginning with verse 21, Matthew 16, 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he might go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter, get the picture, then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Okay, visualize this, folks. Now, I'm not the Lord, but... This would be one of you saying, uh, preacher, word, need a word with you. And by the way, most of the time when I hear something like that, it's never good. Need a word with you. That ain't going to happen. That's not going to happen. The Bible says he began to rebuke him. You know, when you rebuke someone, you're correcting them. 
you're drawing something to the surface. He says, far be it from you, Lord, that this shall not happen to you. And you know what Jesus responded? He turned and said, Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me, for you're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. In essence, Jesus is saying, Peter, you're thinking just like the devil thinks. If we can do anything to stop the cross, love's greatest story, we'll do whatever it takes. You get behind me. Because the cross has to happen. Now, before we're too hard on Peter, and we, too, before we're too hard on his pride, when you think it can't happen to you, it will. When you think it'll never happen to your kids, it will. When you think it'll never happen in your marriage, it can. When we think it'll never happen in this church, it might. And only by the grace of God. The devil will do whatever he can, listen, to stop love's greatest story from going forward. Even using and even getting into the minds of those that are closest to Jesus. The pride of Peter is demonstrated. It wasn't about him, it was about the Lord. It was about the power of God. There's a little story, a little picture uh, that's told of a, a flea who is riding an elephant. So get the picture. And they cross this old bridge, and when they got to the other side, uh, the flea said, uh, my goodness, did you feel that bridge shake when we came across it? Well, folks, let me tell you, the power is not in the flea. The power is not in you. It's in God. It's in the power of God. I love the fact that when you give your life to Christ, he saves us. Anybody want to say amen? I love the fact that when you give your life to Jesus Christ, he keeps you saved. He's the one who does it. Why? Because we can never have it in our own flesh apart from his mighty saving power. Now, the third part of this message is painful. The painful truth is declared. Go back to 26. Peter said, Lord, I'll never do it. Even if all are made to stumble in verse 33, because of you, I'll never be made to stumble. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that this night, Peter, my most bold, Disciple, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. Circle this. I think we missed this. And so said all the disciples. They said the same thing. But yet at the cross, only John is there. The painful truth is declared. And, and the painful truth is that, Peter, I'm going to use a simple rooster to trumpet your denial. 
we have some roosters out by our house. I'm not sure what breed they are because they're not really sure when morning is. But you know, any, every time a rooster crows, a Christian should think that. You know what? God used a rooster to get Peter's attention. And if God can use a rooster to get Peter's attention, then I bet he can use some other simple things in life to get mine. When I'm walking the wrong way, he might use a friend to say, hey, what's going on? He might use his word again. He might use that, that precious Holy Spirit just to convict you and say, listen, you know what you're doing is not right. Boy, it's so good to see folks coming back to church. Amen? And, uh, and, and we're getting close to where we were before. But I really believe God is up to something big. And, and I want to listen. listen. I want to listen to the voice of God. I want to hear the voice of God. I, I made a decision uh, Wednesday night. Those of you that were here Wednesday heard me say this, that there's room for growth in Brother Greg. Anybody in here need to grow a little bit? And I'm choosing to ask God to help me. I am not going to be a bitter, cranky Christian. I'm not doing it. Because, listen, the, we see enough bitterness. We see enough venom in the world. And when you think about the cross and when you think about love's greatest story ever being told, should we not be seasoned with grace in how we live a little bit? Should we not be willing to cut somebody a break? Cut somebody a slack, a little bit of slack? You know, when, uh, when you're out there on the road and you see the guy, he's put himself in a position, you know they're going to cut over in front of you. You know it's coming. I'm like, okay, little men. Renee's like, it ain't happening. You know, life, listen, life is too short to make people hurt like you hurt sometimes. And when I think of love's greatest story and I think of Peter, man, the painful truth is God used a rooster crowing to break the heart of the one who was always out front for Jesus. The one who said, it ain't going to happen to me. Jesus said, listen, it's not only going to happen to you, all of them. All of them are going to stumble. And then when you look at this text, the Bible says in verse 35, even if I have to die with you, I'll not deny you. So said all the disciples. And man, we just hammer Peter for this, don't we? We hammer him, but they were all in the same boat. The rooster was a humble announcement to Peter that God would use the rest of his life. I can't help but think every time he heard a rooster crow that he was reminded of his failure. Listen to me. There are going to be reminders of your failures in life and my failures in life, but don't camp there. Don't stay there. Look to Calvary. Look to what Jesus accomplished. And when we focus on Jesus or, or Peter, if it could happen to Peter, it could happen to us. The picture is from the Lord himself to the disciples. It surely could. But make sure I understand something. In the midst of disappointment, did anybody recognize I did not read a certain verse in this text? I skipped over it. Look at verse 32. But after I have been raised... I will go before you in Galilee. Folks, let me tell you something. The tomb was no match for Jesus. He knew he would come out victorious. 
He knew that he would live again. He was making plans to meet the disciples in Galilee and to empower their ministry for the next step as he knew he would ascend back to the Father, the Holy Spirit would come, the church would be birthed, and the gospel would be taken to the world. I love that. I love that. Number four, the promise of hope is delivered in the resurrection. After I have been raised, he had talked about dying on the cross all the way. After I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Listen to me, Peter. There's hope. There's hope. After I've been raised, I will live again, he says. And I'm telling you, when you, when you let the Lord down in the midst of failure, you don't have to sit on a bench and say, I've ruined my life, folks. I'm going to look at Calvary. I'm going to look at the love and forgiveness of Jesus and recognize there is new life in the resurrection. The promise of hope is delivered. And let me tell you something. The Lord keeps his promises. Anybody want to say amen? Last year during soccer season, Papaws will do anything. You know, you'll bribe your kids to, to swing on the third strike. Don't take it. Don't, don't go down without swinging. Or, or you'll bribe them to take a shot in the basketball game. Well, I, I came up with this big plan with Eli. You know, and Eli's, he is that uh, bird of a different feather. I mean, he's unique. He's eccentric. He's smart. And he likes to play soccer. And I said, Eli... I'll give you $5 for every goal. Now, parents, I'm sorry if I just raised the stakes for you. I didn't mean to do that. But I said, I'll give you $5. And folks, after the 12th goal of the year, I thought, I may have bit off more than I can chew, but I better deliver on my promise. Aren't you glad that there is a holy God that keeps his word? And his word says, I love you. His word says that we're all sinners. We're all in the same boat. His word says that if you come to me in childlike faith, you can be saved. You know, the Bible is full of promises from the Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 19, Jesus said, let little children come to me. Don't forbid them, for such is the kingdom of God. You have to come to Christ as a child, childlike faith. Kids aren't interested in business meetings and committees. They want to know if God loves them. They, they want to know if this God that we're reading about in the Bible is real. They want, they want to know, can he forgive us? Is heaven real? Does is, is God really love us that much? Uh, you know what else is a problem, promise in, in Matthew? Jesus says, that you're Peter, and Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, when he was asked by Jesus, Who do you think, who do you say I am? He says, Thou art the Christ. Jesus says that you're Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. His promise is that he will build the church. You'll say, well, Brother Greg, that's your job. No, my job is to fill the pulpit. My job is to be your shepherd. My job is to preach the truth. And I just have a feeling that if we preach the word of God, he will keep his promise. And by, and by the way, there's not a certain number that makes a church awesome or less than that. 
There are many churches today that just have a handful of people and a preacher's proclaiming the truth and the word of God and loving them. Let me tell you, that's a picture of the New Testament body of Christ. Nothing to say there's anything wrong with big mega churches. Amen for, for ministries that are effective. But I'm telling you, it's not about a number, it's about the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus keeps his promises. Do you believe that? You know, he says in Matthew chapter 15, things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart if they defile a man. So how I talk is really a reflection of what I'm thinking, what's in my heart. He keeps his promises. In the midst of storms, he keeps his promises. I'll be there. The Bible says in Matthew 14, be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. He'll be there. Matthew chapter 12, verse 31, listen to me carefully. Is there anything God will not forgive? Is there anything you've ever done in your life that God will not forgive you of? The Bible says, therefore I say to you, Matthew 12, 31, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. There is an unpardonable sin. You say, Brother Greg, what do you mean? Break it down. Listen, I'll break it down as clear as I, I understand it. Rejecting the Holy Spirit is unpardonable. If you die without Jesus Christ, it's not being reversed. If you die lost without Christ, there's not going to be a place where you can get right with God. Friend, listen to me. God gives us one life to live, gives us an opportunity to respond, and it's our job now to say, yes, Lord, yes, I surrender my life to you. Rejection of the Holy Spirit is rejecting God. It's unpardonable. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, he keeps his promises, does he not? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Oh, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, uh, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I'm telling you, folks, this is a scary passage. Billy Graham said there's a large percentage when he was alive that he believes sits in a church pew on Sunday that doesn't know Christ. I'm not interested in a big group of people on Sunday who come to church but don't know Christ. You'll say, well, Brother Greg, what do you mean? I'm telling you if the Holy Spirit ever convicts you about your relationship with Jesus, take care of it. Deal with it. You say, okay, God, here it is. Here it is. I, I was the guy, folks. The church knows my story. I was the teenager in church just like this. Oh, I loved the Lord. I thought I did. I went to church faithfully just like you all do. I, I was trying to be a good boy at school, not get in trouble. But, man, I'd hear a, a, a gospel preached message. I knew the invitation was coming, and my heart would begin to pound. How in the world does that preacher know everything about me? He doesn't. It's the Holy Spirit. Jesus keeps his promises. And he'll take real believers to heaven one day. But don't you let the devil. You know, we sing about our God is a lion, uh, is roaring with power. Are those the lyrics we just sang? You know, the Bible describes the devil as a roaring lion. That roaring lion is designed to destroy your life. The lion of Judah came to save you. Big difference. 
And by the way, the Lion of Judah is way overpowering for this dinky lamb, lion who's thinking he's doing something right now. Amen? Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I'm grateful that the promise of hope is delivered. Peter, you'll deny me three times. Lord, there's no way. Not just you, but all the guys. There ain't no way, Lord. If they do it, there's no way I'll do it. Well, remember, remember this. Meet me in Galilee. Because this grave's not going to hold me down. How many of you really believe, how many of you really believe that when you die, you either go to heaven or hell? Oh, we don't live like that, do we? We live like we've got forever. We live like we're in charge of our lives. Gina Spradling's 53 years old. Has a daughter, Caitlin, and three beautiful grandbabies. You think she was planning on dying? I love the fact that we go to a cemetery and go through a committal service and that we can drive away knowing that this is just a temporary holding place. This is just a borrowed tomb. Why? Because he lives, we live. And even this body will be changed one day, made fit for heaven. I love that. I love that. Listen to me, folks. Love's greatest story has you in mind. Remember back in junior high? I don't know if they still do it or not. Uh, I guess girls designed it, where they would fold up something and put it in their fingers and go, you all know what I'm talking about? Okay. You know, like, does he love me? I'll tell you all that was, folks, was a Baptist Ouija board is what that was. Uh, you, you don't have to do that. You don't have to flip a coin this morning. You don't have to wonder if God really loves you. Why? Great, uh, love's greatest story went to, the, went to Calvary. They took him down, and, and the enemy said, it's over. But just in case, let's put guards on the outside of the tomb so that nobody gets him out when we don't want that story to circulate. Oh, when the women got there, the stone was rolled away, amen? Why? To let them in or to let him out? No, to let the world see that he's alive. He's alive. And if we really believe that we go somewhere when we die, the greatest gift you could give your family the greatest thing, you, the best decision you could ever make in your life is to say, okay, I've got a problem. Jesus is the answer, and I'm going to trust his promise. Let's all stand, every head bowed, every eye.